0: Hello, you guys, and welcome back to Sunday Questions, a podcast. I am still your host, Kayleen Bracken, and I am so excited to be back behind the mic doing another episode. This episode in particular, I'm really excited about, and I feel bad that I skipped last week. I honestly have no excuse, you guys. I just had a busy week. The week got ahead of me, I did not have time to come up with a good podcast and I very well could have recorded something that was kind of just like a throwaway episode, but I really value only speaking when you truly feel compelled to speak, like you have something to offer the conversation, and last week I honestly had nothing to say behind the mic. I was pretty at a loss for what I wanted to talk about, and my mom was going to come on the podcast, and then she had to reschedule her trip to Nashville, so... She wasn't here to record and then I had another guest that I wasn't able to connect with. So there are great episodes on the horizon, I promise you. And right now we're still, again, work in progress. This whole thing is a work in progress and I so deeply appreciate your patience with me because I know that my cousin texted me and was like, I get so attached to podcasts and I was so hurt when you didn't post one last Sunday and I, it was like the best text to get because I, which I'm now realizing I didn't respond. So my cousin, if Grace, if you're listening, I love you. And I will respond to that as soon as I finish recording this. But it made me laugh because I also feel that way about podcasts. And a few of the podcasts I follow, when they don't post, I'm like, oh, what's going on? And my goal is to get ahead of the episodes and have episodes planned three or four weeks out. That would make my life a lot easier because this is my number one project, I guess, at the moment. I don't really know how to describe this endeavor. But that's all on that. I apologize for not getting an episode out. Thank you guys for your patience because you are all so gracious. And trust me, I know nobody's like waiting on the edge of their seat for these episodes, but it does make me happy when you're like, it's my Sunday tradition to listen to it. You guys are the coolest and I think you all know I think that. So I wanted to give you guys an update on just the past two weeks because we've been apart for two weeks, which is heartbreaking. Nothing too crazy has happened. I have played three lacrosse games. We won one, lost two. Um, So season is going up from here and uh, lacrosse has been so much fun. I was telling my mom today that I feel so grateful that I've fallen Back in love with the sport because I feel like last year I felt like I did or was trying to, and now I just feel so wholeheartedly the way that I did when I was in high school and the way that I did when I was in middle school like so into it. And it's just been really fun. I've been having a, a really good time learning about myself as an athlete, and I feel like I've been doing a better job integrating that part of my life into who I am as an individual and, and taking what empowers me about it and shedding things that maybe. Are a little bit more challenging. Anyway, that is where I'm at. Lacrosse, is kind of just like my life right now, which makes sense. But I've had just immense amounts of gratitude for my own growth and just the way I can like feel my life shifting recently. So, lacrosse and also every other area has been really amazing. I feel really, really lucky. And notable news as of late has been that I was presented with an opportunity to go to Washington DC in two weeks. And it's like the coolest opportunity I've ever gotten. So I will update you guys on that as it happens, just based on what I can tell you right now. But it's super fun, really exciting. And I'm so excited to share that with you guys in a few weeks but that's really all that's been going on. Nothing crazy going on over here. Send me your updates per usual, text me what you guys are doing, DM me, whatever you wanna do. I love hearing about what you guys are doing when you're listening to the podcast. So before I continue to ramble about God knows what, I wanna frame out this episode for you guys. So this episode, we're talking about relationships and I wasn't really sure if I should, is it necessary that I give a rundown of my own relationships, my current relationship status, I really don't think so because I was talking to my friend and she said to me she's like I noticed you always discredit yourself or shy away from talking about relationships on the podcast because you aren't in one and because you haven't had like a super long-term relationship which is true I haven't the longest relationship I've had was like six months and uh, i think i do shy away from giving advice about relationships on the podcast or talking about it from a place of authority more so than i do on my instagram when people will ask questions about it so i am now making conscious effort to share my thoughts about relationships because i have learned so much via flopping and just making mistakes in relationships but also having really great lessons to learn from great relationships that i've had and i feel like i've made so much growth in my own romantic relationships alongside regular relationships And I'm excited to talk about this because I think there's so much we can all learn from one another and truth be told, I do kind of wish that I had like a guest on here who has been in a relationship for a few years and my friend Nicoletta, who is a rock star and gives the greatest relationship advice ever, will come on the podcast when we get back from the school year because she unfortunately goes to school in Virginia and I still haven't figured out how to have people on via Zoom. So basically, today is going to be a solo episode talking about relationships. And I have a whole episode breakdown. Basically, first we're going to talk about my own relationship flops slash things I've learned about relationships in at the ripe age of 20 years old. And then we're going through an advice session. And there were some questions on Sunday questions that I gathered about relationships that I'll answer from a place of, honestly, curiosity because I don't have all the answers whatsoever and finally, I asked you guys to submit red flags, and you guys went off. First of all, I was dying laughing reading all of these. Like, of course, they are not serious. Of course, there are no laughing matter, most of them. There are some that are so hilarious. Um, so I decided I'm going to rate them. Like, I'm going to rate everyone's red flags and see if they're really, you know, how red are, how red are your red flags? So without further ado, my friends, let's whip out this episode breakdown. The first thing says, open by saying happy Valentine's Day. Well, happy Valentine's Day, you guys. It's a little bit late. I hope everyone had a wonderful Valentine's Day, though. I wanted to share with the pod, I got really beautiful flowers from what I will refer to today as a secret admirer, who is not a secret, um, nor would I say necessarily an admirer, but that sounds more fun and dramatic. So I hope everyone got flowers from their secret admirer and I feel really lucky that I did because it was my first Valentine's Day getting flowers from a boy and I loved it. Everyone, you know what? I think that men should just have to clear out like every florist for Valentine's Day regardless of whether or not they're in a relationship. Men, why don't you guys go out there the way that you used to go to war and gather things like bouquets of roses and tulips and whatever flower you can find and hand them out to people on the street men women children dogs that is a world that I want to live in and that was a complete tangent but I really like the idea so and also the thing about going to war was a joke thank goodness we're safe thank goodness you guys are safe let us get on with the episode before I continue rambling about random things So, like I said, I hope everyone had a wonderful Valentine's Day slash Galentine's Day. Maybe you have a crush, maybe you are so single, which also rocks. Maybe you're talking to someone, maybe you have a partner of many years, maybe you're married, maybe you're divorced. Whatever Valentine's Day meant to you this year, I hope it was lovely and full of love in numerous ways. So, now that we're getting into the bulk of the episode and we're 10 minutes in, in true Kayleen Bracken hosting a podcast fashion, I want to start with relationship flops I've made. Now let me tell you, I have made a great deal of relationship flops. I noted that I have only been, the longest relationship I was in was like six months, uh, give or take, and I'm certainly not a perfect partner. Nobody is a perfect partner and that's probably a great way to start off by all of us acknowledging you are not a perfect partner. Your partner is not going to be a perfect partner. So let's approach this whole episode, everything we talk about, from a scope of there is no perfect relationship. And these things that we're going to talk about are truly so that we can optimize our relationships. How can we support our partner? How can we better communicate with our people? And what can we learn from relationships? What can we learn about ourselves? What can we learn about other people? And there's so many things to pull from this Like I always say, take what you need, shed what you don't. There's going to be a lot of stuff here that you're like, I don't really care. Some stuff you're going to be like, oh my God, that's for me. And that's why this episode found me. So like I said, I've made so many flops and I almost am hesitant to say that because we talked about on the 23 Habits episode that we often joke ourselves into unhappy experiences and I don't want to make my brain think that I'm not good at relationships. I think it just genuinely takes someone that really jives well with you, is very important to you. Someone you're willing to change your life for, that is someone who is going to, I think, force yourself to become more self-aware, better at being in relationships, more proactive about how you can be a better partner, and also how you can be a better person for yourself so that you can be a better partner. So we're already getting a little bit theoretical here, but I just wanted to acknowledge that I'm not the perfect partner. Uh, I love giving relationship advice, but I don't always have the answers and there are plenty of people who have different takes. So this is not like the only recipe for having a successful relationship. This is just, these are things that I've learned, things that I have applied. I feel like I've done great deals of research because I, ultimately want to be in a long-term relationship um, and like create a life with someone. So that is something I've been focusing on, just like how can I, and not over-focusing, like it shouldn't be your whole life of figuring out how you can be in a relationship because it's truly like the most important relationship in your life is always gonna be with yourself, regardless of how in love you are with someone or how single you are, it doesn't matter. So now that we got that disclaimer out of the way per usual, I will get into relationship flops and they're mainly just like lessons that I've learned. So, and also just like random bullet points to be honest with you guys. So I have found that the number one red flag slash thing that we overthink in relationships and something that is kind of obvious once you realize it, but in the moment can feel very much hidden or easily glazed over is the fact that we oftentimes change ourselves for our partner And, or even just for someone that we like, someone we want to like us, we change ourselves. And it's a massive mistake because it took me wanting certain parts of people, like being like, oh, I like him, but X, Y, and Z, I don't like. And I realized last year, it is not fair to say, I like you, but, or I like him, or I like her, I like them, but, and then you list a number of things that you want to change about them because then you don't like that person. You like an idealized version of them and to look at a person and say, I would like you if you changed in these ways, like that's not their problem. That's your problem. You don't like them, so don't lead them on and don't say, well, when you change like this, never expect people to change. Don't expect people to change. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Will people evolve? Certainly, but you can't look at someone and say, I could love you if you did X, Y, and Z because then it challenges their sense of self and it makes them feel unworthy and I especially find in college a lot of my friends will be like oh well I really like him but he you know blacks out every weekend or I really like him but he I can't really tell if he likes me I really like him xyz we make so many reasons why we would like someone if they were someone else essentially like once I realized that every time I said oh I would I like him but and then I listed a million things like you don't like him If you want to change his behavior, his looks. And that's fine. You don't have to like everyone. You don't have to have a crush on everyone you meet. But I think be wary of the fact that when you say, I like someone, but. I like him. I like her. I like them, but. And then you list a thing that you don't like about them. Something you want to change about them. Maybe it's, I like them, but they're not very smart. Or I like them, but they're kind of shy or awkward. It's like, but you can't expect someone to change for you. And if they want to evolve on their own that's one thing but to bring someone down or to critique someone and create this idealized version you're constantly going to be at odds with the idealized version of them in your head if you can't accept them as they are in this moment. And that's why I keep saying yes they likely will evolve because most human beings do but it is not fair to fall in love with an idealized version of someone that does not yet exist. It's not fair to you and more importantly, it's really not fair to that person because what if they never evolve into that idealized version? What if they never get that haircut you want them to get or start dressing the way you want them to dress or get smarter or get into the things you want? What if they never come to that and then there's heartbreak? And heartbreak is not something to be feared, but I think it's a pretty fair statement to say to minimize it when you can for all parties. And I just see so many people being like, oh, when we started dating, I didn't like this about them. And then it never changed. And I thought I could fix them. You can't fix someone, okay? Hard pill to swallow. It is a hard pill to swallow, but you cannot fix someone. And no one can fix you either. It goes both ways. So that is something I've learned in relationships. Luckily, I am not a fixer. I have learned that if I genuinely have qualms with someone's style or the way they do things like that's probably just not going to be my person and yes when I'm with someone that I like are they perfect is there everything that I love about them there's probably a few things that I'm like oh not obsessed with that but I have learned from my friends who have been in a long-term relationship when you love someone enough you're willing to overlook those things like even if they give you a little bit of an ick, maybe you're willing to overlook those things. But if you don't like someone that much, that's when those things are going to become massively disruptive to your relationship, to your feelings for them. And I've had that happen too. I've tried to ignore things that bothered me and then they've just piled up and the relationship went to shit because I got uncomfortable or I was like, oh God, I can't stand this person anymore. And it's not fair to them. Like it's so immature and I, I've done it. So I feel like I can say that. But my main point with this one was truly just to say, we need to stop saying that we would like someone if. Because then we wouldn't like them. We would like this made-up version of them in our head. And that's fine too. Fall in love with a made-up version of someone in your head. But don't project that onto someone, like a real living, breathing human being. Especially if they like you. Like that is just not chill. So in 2023, we're not gonna fall in love with idealized versions and then project them onto a real living, breathing human being who has some stake in our lives. So, The next point that I have says, are they really worth busting your sleep schedule for? Because some are. Some are certainly worth busting your sleep schedule for. But also, if they are, if they're worth, you know, ruining your sleep schedule for, staying up late, texting, calling, FaceTiming, whatever, if they are, then they're probably not going anywhere. So get some rest, they'll still be there in the morning and that is actually the mark I find of a stable attachment in a relationship of you can say goodnight to me, I can say goodnight to you, whatever. We can part and you'll still be there in the morning. Like it's not you hanging on to their every word, them constantly having to confirm that they like you stale or that you like them. A stable relationship, I think a mark of that is feeling really comfortable parting, not feeling like every time they're gone, they're falling out of love with you. And that's just a sign of an anxious attachment, which is fine, but probably something worth talking to ideally a therapist about because we learn our attachment styles from the way we were raised and the adults in our lives, whoever raised us. So when those things come into relationships, I think it's important to acknowledge, like, do I have a stable attachment? Do I have a secure attachment to my partner or is there an anxious attachment or an avoidant attachment and that's a whole nother episode that I actually don't have any expertise on but I do find it really interesting so back to the sleep schedule thing it is so easy to bust your sleep schedule for someone when you like them like stay up late texting like I was saying calling and I think honestly ask yourself because there are so many things I've looked back on and been like oh my god, that was so not worth ruining my sleep schedule for. But it's fun in the moment. And so I think being aware of, is it worth changing my life to fit this person into my life? That's the underlying question. Is it worth changing my routine, my schedule, to fit this person into my day? And there's going to be people who you're like, hell yeah, it is. And that's probably someone that you want to entertain a relationship with because that means that they mean enough to you for you to alter your life. And I found with my previous relationship that I did, I did not like him enough to alter my life for him and I learned that by altering it and then being resentful that I had to alter it. And being in a relationship is like being on a team, like having a partner. It is kind of like a push and pull. Like, when are we together? And we'll get into that. When are we apart? When am I with your friends? When are we with our friends? When am I with my friends? And when am I alone? Like, there are so many questions to ask yourself. And with the sleep schedule thing, it's like, is this person worth losing an hour of sleep over to keep talking to you? Do you like them that much? Because that's a beautiful thing that's really, really special. And when you have that, it feels like magic. But don't ruin your sleep schedule or alter your life for someone who isn't really giving it back to you, who isn't figuring out how to fit you into their life, who isn't adjusting their feelings, their habits, their behaviors to being a partner to you I just don't think it makes sense obviously yes it's fun to have a crush and to like text late at night but if it's going nowhere and you just have a pen pal at that point I think I'm doing a thumbs down right now which has recently been the extent of me expressing my emotions is thumbs up thumbs down and I'm doing a thumbs down because it's not worth one losing sleep over anyone really and it's not worth losing sleep just to hopefully make someone like you like there should be an element of symbiosis to this I think that's the right word so the thesis of that point truly was just, if you're gonna adjust your schedule slash your life to, for someone else, you better really fucking like them, okay? You better really like them, and they better deserve it. I feel like I'm really protective over the people who listen to the podcast, and I just want the best for all of you guys. So that's why I'm getting a little bit fired up. Next one. Okay, let's talk about the talking stage. You guys, these aren't really flops to be honest. These are just things I've learned. Everyone shits on the talking stage, like another failed talking stage. I think the talking stage is important and there's so many parents that are like, oh, well, what's a talking stage? I was actually talking to Flower Boy, that's what we'll call him, earlier and he was like, I think parents just don't understand what the talking stage is because dating used to be a lot more like casual and so parents were like, oh, you know, they date and you could date like multiple people at a time. Whereas now it's like, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking, oh, we're dating. And like the big deal is like, are officially dating. And I think it's interesting because we even use the word dating as a verb. Like, oh, are you dating anyone? And like, oh yeah, you know, I'm doing some dating. And that typically means they're seeing a few people just like casually. But then it's like, oh, when we started dating and it's all kind of convoluted because no one, every generation talks about it differently. Our generation, so Gen Z, I feel like typically talks about it like, oh, we're talking and uh, I don't think it's as stupid as people make it sound. Like everyone talks about failed talking stages and yeah, that sucks. Any failed relationship, whether it is in its early stages or long stages, there's like a little bit of loss there and you're grieving what could have been versus maybe in a long-term relationship, you're grieving what was and it is just... So funny to me that everyone's like, oh, the talking stage, like just date. It's like, no, there should be a period where you're getting to know someone, especially if you're not going out with someone who is like initially your friend, someone that you meet and from the jump, you're like interested in them. I think there should be a talking stage, like get to know that person, get to know what their day is like, what they're operating in. And I'm not saying talk to this person day in and day out, talk to them every minute of the day, unless you want to, but there should be this stage of talking to someone and getting to know them. And I'm not saying like you should have a pen pal. If someone's just constantly texting you and never making plans to see you or never, if they're just texting you, red flag, red flag. Get on the phone. You cannot tell chemistry through text, guys. You cannot. You can think you have banter with someone. I'm telling you right now, unless you get on the phone with that person, you will not know if you actually have True conversational chemistry with them. So if you're texting someone, get on the phone with them. Some people might think it's weird. Honestly, red flag if you can't get on the phone and carry a conversation with someone. So that was my petition to stop shitting on the talking stage because I think that it's important. And I also wrote pen pals, however, are not in play in 2023. So if you want to know more about pen pals, I recommend looking at Tinks' Instagram. Um, she is like my guru on relationship advice. And I feel like she is like a 35 year old version of how I hope to be next one if they confuse you the chances are they are probably confused themselves I have been on both sides of this I have been the one who's like I don't really know if I like him I don't really know let me see where it goes and it goes nowhere versus I've also been on the other side of like I'm so fucking confused, does he like me? Somebody once explained this to me as if they make you feel like question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, you know, that little sequence, then they don't like you. If someone is confusing you, they don't like you. They might like parts of you. They might like talking to you. They might like the attention, but they probably don't want to date you. They probably are not ready to commit. And that doesn't mean they'll never want to commit to you. They'll never want to date you. But it's not fair to you For you to continue pouring your energy into something that has a 10% likelihood of them one day waking up and being like, oh my god, I do like them. Pull back your energy. Let them know that they're flopping or maybe they're not and there's just something else out there for them and it's not you. But pull back your energy. Don't sit and wait at their doorstep for them to open the door one morning and realize that you, this wonderful package, is sitting there. Don't wait for people. It's honestly not worth it and people that are confused about what relationship they want to be in, I don't know how I feel about the if they wanted to they would thing because I think it's very convoluted and it can go either way but I do think that if someone is saying like oh I don't want to date anyone right now if they're telling you that the truth is they don't want to date you if someone's like I'm just confused I don't know how I feel they don't want to commit to you they don't want to be in a relationship with you and that is fine it is you cannot fault someone for not liking you the way you like them you just can't But you have to honor the fact that if someone is confusing you, they're probably projecting their own confusion onto you. And if someone isn't, guys, I'm getting really fired up. If someone likes you, you're going to know. If someone likes you, you are going to know. You're going to know, you're going to know, you're going to know. I promise you, you're going to know. And they should like you enough and be confident enough in that. They should own it. Like say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. I like you. I think you're awesome. I think you're great. I want to take you out. I feel like we have some chemistry, this could be fun. Whatever it is, it doesn't need to be like, oh my God, I'm so in love with you. It can literally be as simple as, I think you're awesome, I would love to spend more time with you. Someone that likes you, you're going to know, they're going to be clear about it. And if they're not, they will come to a point where they are or they won't. And what's meant to be will always be. And now I'm kind of just like spitting, like spewing rather than spitting. I'm not really like laying down anything. But that is my take on... If they're confused, like if they're confusing you, if they're going back and forth, it means that they're confused themselves. And it is not worth waiting for someone to become clear on their feelings. If they become clear on their feelings, they'll come back to you. It's like what Tinks always says, men always come back or their lives get worse. So regardless of your gender, I think that is just something to live by. Even if it's not true, people will come back or they'll do their own thing is what I like to say. Who knows if their life will get worse, but... People, if they're meant to be with you, it'll work out. I promise you. I literally, I, I don't make many promises on here beyond things that I know to be true, which I think is probably a good rule of thumb for promising things. But truly, if it's meant to be, it'll be. Next. Clear is kind. Be clear with people about how you feel about them. And this is something in high school I felt like I was shit at because I'm a little bit of a people pleaser sometimes. And I really didn't like telling people that I didn't like them or that I didn't feel the same way about them. And it's so unkind. Clear is kind. Tell people how you feel. Don't waste someone else's time. If you go out on a shitty date and someone texts you for a second date, text them, tell them you didn't feel the chemistry. You're not really looking to continue on that relationship romantically with them. We beat around the bush like it's our jobs. Men, women, everyone. We all do it. We're all like, I don't let them down easy. No, be honest. Don't be a dick, but let be honest. It's important that you are clear with other people because it makes their life easier it makes your life easier and to return to the 23 habits episode when you make up these excuses of like i don't want to date anyone no you don't want to date that person so don't say i'm not really looking for anything right now you are not looking for a relationship with that person so my advice is and i know we haven't even gotten to the advice section but to tell people like be clear with them because then you save your time. You're not leaving these crumbs that we talked about in the 23 Habits episode. It's like the classic tale of someone saying like, oh, I don't want to date. Yeah, I don't want to date anyone right now. And then two months later, they have a new girlfriend. And it's like, oh, well, you said you didn't want to date anyone. It's like, yeah, well, they wanted to date that person. They didn't want to date you. And it's a hard pill to swallow. But it's just the way that romance works, the way that attraction works, the way that love works. And it's not worth chasing people that don't want you it's just not worth it guys you are so awesome in and of yourself you do not need to be chasing someone else to complete you next one so my thoughts on games which actually these are all segueing really smoothly from one to the other my thoughts on games I think that games are so stupid ultimately they are one of the stupidest elements of modern relationships however There is something to be said for the root of games, which is basically the chase or the push and pull. And what I find interesting about the push and pull is that people think pulling back your energy, leaving someone on open, ignoring someone in public, hooking up with someone else is going to spark the interest of the person you actually want. And what I've learned from witnessing that and from being a part of that, especially for my people who are single and engaging in like hookup culture, I feel like that's pretty prominent in hookup culture, especially in college and postgraduate life. But I find that when it comes from a place of insecurity, it literally never works. When it comes from a place of quietly hoping that they're gonna reach out to you because they're jealous, probably doesn't work. Also, if you wanna attract emotionally unavailable people, by all means, poke and prod at people's childhood wounds of like their attachment styles with their parents and relationships that have failed them. If you want someone who's emotionally unavailable or someone who is not actually bonding with you through a place of love and intention, more so from a place of like trauma or insecurity, then yes, you can use those tactics, but you will continue to attract people who are not ready for genuine mature relationships. And that's your decision. But Something that I think is really important with this whole like push and pull aspect. Someone, especially in the early stages of a relationship, especially when they're like quote-unquote courting you, should not get 100% of your energy because one, you don't have time to give somebody else 100% of your energy and two, frankly, nobody is attracted to someone who gives them 100% of their energy because it's just overbearing. Like I love when I'm with someone and they have other plans, they have things to do, they have X, Y, Z. There is great value in polarity and of someone missing someone and not having every single second with them. There's a lot of polarity. It's the quality of time you spend together is so much more important than the amount of time you spend together. If the quality is there that's amazing. But if you're spending every waking moment waiting for a text from someone versus having a 15 minute phone call and having a great conversation with some good banter, that's the value. But I think we oftentimes sit by the phone waiting for someone to Snapchat us, waiting for someone to like our Instagram story, checking who viewed our Instagram story. There is just so much bullshit within all of this. And when you stand in your power, whether regardless of your gender or your role in a relationship, if you stand in your power and say, this is my day, this is my life, Somebody, you guys, the way that I look at relationships is like if someone is going to become a part of my life and is going to be my partner, they better be a dazzling enhancement to the life I am already living because I am so confident in what I already have with myself. And I know that it's kind of becoming like a feminist cliche to say that, but truly someone needs to be so cool and change my life in ways make it better, teach me things, inspire me, And sometimes I think we kind of just settle for people who are there and they're convenient. But you have this life. It's for you. And I said this at the beginning of the episode. The most important relationship you're ever going to have in your life is the one you have with yourself. And I hope that that sinks in. And I know it sounds like a self-love cliche, but it really is important. And when you vest your worth externally, when you vest it in someone else, whether it's a partner, whether it's a friend, whether it's a job. You're never going to feel fully complete. You're always going to be looking to that person to confirm your value in this world, to confirm your worth. And that's not fair to you. It's not it's not fair to them because you can't expect someone else to give that to you. But you can give it to yourself. And when it comes to relationships, because so many of us do want long term relationships and love and romance, That's like the sexiest thing ever is when someone stands in their own power and says like, this is my life, it's amazing. If you wanna join it, you're gonna have to elevate it in some way. It is so hot when someone is like so confident about what they're bringing to the table. And I know that for me, I love being single, like never been an issue for me. But if someone comes into my life and I'm like, oh my God, this person is the shit. By all means, they are more than welcome and I'm absolutely interested in that. Until you get to a point where you are secure with yourself, you're probably going to be seeking some validation from your partner and it's going to put a strain on the relationship in some way, shape, or form is what I have learned. So when it comes to games, I think acknowledge that polarity is important. Don't give someone 100% of your energy. Match their energy. If they're giving you a shit ton of energy and you adore them, give it right back. But if they're literally ignoring you, like don't be spamming their phone. That's something that is very standard, but I think it's just important to hear because we always shape shift for these people and they're not even worth it 90% of the time. When you find the person that is worth it, you're gonna feel it and it's gonna feel so secure. I'm talking like so secure that the games are gonna sound like the stupidest thing ever. Like you won't think twice about texting first. You'll think that calling them is weird. You won't think liking their Instagram post is weird. You won't be checking your Instagram views for if they saw your stuff. You will feel secure in a relationship when it is right. So my next bullet point, let's get to it, Kind of goes back to what I was saying about your partner evolving and not falling in love with an idealized version of them. But let your partner evolve. Like give your partner the opportunity to evolve. This is for people who are in relationships. That's how you achieve longevity. And I have parents who are no longer together. It's so interesting because I think oftentimes why marriages don't work out and I'm not the expert, I've never been married is because you fall in love with this one version of a person and then as they evolve into a completely different person, which over 20, 30 years, it is bound to happen, you're shocked by that evolution or you protest that evolution quietly and you're like in shock of how this person has changed. Is this still the person that I love? Especially if they're growing and maybe you're not growing at the same rate as them, which is fine, but I think a lot of people will stunt their partner's growth and Mel Robbins talked about this on an episode which was great but talked about how in a relationship the number one thing that is critical to a healthy relationship especially a marriage when it's evolving and you're getting older and your life is changing in a number of ways maybe you're buying homes maybe you're having a kid maybe you're changing jobs there are so many factors as we get older I think that are really important to consider but Mel Robbins talked about how the one thing that she wished she had learned earlier was a critical part of a relationship is supporting your partner's goals. And if you don't know your partner's goals, how can you support them? And oftentimes what we need to do to achieve our goals is evolve into a version of ourselves that can achieve them. And so... Naturally, when you find out your partner's goals, if your partner says, I want to write a book and right now they have never written more than a five-page essay, the partner you're committing to when you decide to be in a relationship with that person is someone who you now know wants to evolve into a version of themselves who has grown enough to write a full book. And that's something that I think a lot of couples overlook. It's like, well, you wanted to have three kids and we had three kids. Well, what were their other goals? What did they want to do? What did they want to see? How do they want to change their life? And I was just thinking about this. I feel like I want in my wedding vows to be that, like I hope that I fall in love with every new version of you every day, every evolving growing, whether you're in pain or you are absolutely euphoric, I want to fall in love with you again and again. And that is a really beautiful thing to feel about someone. But even more importantly, it's a really beautiful way to dedicate a commitment to someone and say, I believe in every version of you and I believe that there is something I will fall in love with in every version. Even if every evolved version is not my favorite, maybe there'll be stages where I'm like, oh God, this is really just, they're changing. I can feel it. I'm uncomfortable with it. I don't like change. What's going on with my partner? My advice is that if you cannot imagine continuing to love someone as they evolve, then they're probably not the person for you. And obviously you can't predict someone's evolution, what it'll look like, what it'll feel like, how it'll impact your relationship. But there is something to be said for the fact that people are going to change. Naturally, people are going to change. Can you keep falling in love with that person every day? And if you're like, no, I fell in love with this 21-year-old frat boy and he's someday going to be a 30-year-old man. Someday he's going to be a 40-year-old man and he'll probably have changed. Then maybe that's not the person for you to be with long-term. And that's not a bad thing. Like I keep saying, it's fine, but just learn what's for you and what's not for you. Next is you don't have to be entirely similar to your partner. This is a mistake I've made. I've been like, oh my god, we're literally the same person. He's perfect. And then it doesn't work out. First of all, chances that they're the same person as you, very unlikely. You don't have to like all of the same things as the person you like or as your partner. It's actually so much better, and my friend said this to me over the summer, of like, oh, well, liking someone who does a bunch of things differently than you, that's how you become a little team where you learn from one another and you take on their behaviors, their habits, it is so valuable to not be entirely similar to your partner. And just because someone is different, like, you know, when you're talking to someone and they ask you a question and you're like this or that, and you're worried you're going to get the wrong answer. It's okay to get the wrong answer. You can't say the wrong thing to the right person. So that is something that I actually live by. Like you cannot say the wrong thing to the right person, get it in your head. That was actually another one of the points that I wrote down, but you don't have to like all the same things as your partner. It doesn't matter. That's not important. Yes, you should have some compatibility, you should have some common interests, but if you can share parts of your life with someone and they can adapt to it or they can evolve to enjoy it or you can figure out things that you guys like as a couple, that's that's so money. Like that's huge. Do you guys Okay, next one. Lose the battle, win the war. This talks about fighting with your partner or disagreeing with someone, stop trying to be right. Being right is so overrated. And I frequently say like, you know what, I could be wrong, I could very well be wrong. It's not a sign of insecurity. It's a sign of self-awareness and the fact that you don't know everything and that you're not God. So when you're in a fight with your partner, so many of us try to establish like dominance or assert intellectual superiority above our partner, which is just weird because it makes them feel intellectually insecure, makes them feel like you don't see them. And when you're trying so hard to win the battle, you lose sight of the fact that every time you win that battle, instead of saying, you know what, I'm wrong, like, let's talk this out, you're losing the war, you're setting yourself behind in terms of creating a relationship defined by longevity, which is, I think, ultimately what a lot of people want. So hopefully that made sense. Next one says, stop comparing yourself to other relationships every relationship is so different. Some relationships are long distance. Some are the couples that spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week together. There are so many relationships. Every relationship is different in nature and you only see such a small sliver of someone's relationship and it's not fair to you or your partner to compare your relationship to someone else's. Maybe you're like, oh well, My roommate hangs out with her boyfriend every day and I only see mine four times a week. Okay, you're not dating your roommate's boyfriend, now are you? Totally different relationship. Don't compare. It's going to take away from your relationship. It's going to take away from your happiness. It kills the sanctity of the relationship because having a relationship with one person, which monogamy, (laughs) having a relationship with one person, like you have something really special between the two of you, I would assume. And so when you're constantly looking outside of yourself, you're taking away from every beautiful thing that exists within that relationship between two people, which is sacred. So that is my take on comparing yourself to other relationships. I think comparison in general is a thief of joy. And I encourage everyone, don't look to your left, to your right. What's that relationship doing? What's this relationship doing? Don't judge other people's relationships. Honestly, I know it's hard when it's your friend's but it's really especially if you're in a relationship looking at other relationships and being like look what they do like you don't know what goes on behind closed doors you don't know what happens between the two of them and it is just a bad habit to get into to constantly look left and right at other people's relationships and judge or assume it is just harmful okay these are just like my pieces of advice now that I've learned. My things that I think are critical to a relationship, which this is probably my favorite part of the episode, is number one, allowing your partner to evolve and not holding them to the person they were when you met, which I talked about. Number two, encouraging your partner and supporting their goals. And I think supporting your partner's goals is such a huge deal because it shows that you, one, wanna be a part of the future with them. And also that you care about what they want. That you're encouraging them to lean more into what they want versus what you want for you guys. So next, I think this is so critical, is open communication about sex. If you are in a romantic relationship with someone and you're not having an open communication about sex, I think you are missing out on a huge element of a healthy relationship. And I listened to Tink's podcast today on why you should never fake an orgasm and I really think everyone should listen to it regardless of your gender, regardless of your sexual orientation. There is so much value in listening to that podcast and just learning about how many people are not vocal in the bedroom and sex is supposed to be like fun and hot and awesome and memorable and when you're not vocal about telling someone like this is what I like, this is what I don't like, You're missing out on what could be a really awesome sexual experience and everyone deserves to have awesome sex. So I actually talked about like the shame of sex on a podcast or on a Sunday questions thing I did the other day and I thought it was a really important conversation to have and I would actually love to expand that more and maybe have some people on to talk about talking about sex as young adults because I feel like we only really talk about it in terms of like hookups and kind of just like vulgar stuff but no one's like hey do you ever tell your partner, what you like, or what you don't like, or like, have you figured out what makes you come? Like, there's so many things we don't talk about, and I don't know why we don't do it, and it's because there's like some shame around it because the generations before us were a little bit like nitpicky about what you can say about sex and what's taboo and what's not. So just saying, open communication about sex. It is not embarrassing to say, this is what I like. Do you like this? How does this feel? It's not embarrassing at all. It literally will make your sex life a hundred times better, I promise you. And next is knowing your partner's love language and figuring out how you can cater towards that like some people do not need words of affirmation they need you to spend quality time with them and I think there's a variety of ways love languages show up in relationships like I am a huge quality time person but there are times when I'm like I just need some verbal affirmation all right being able to learn your partner takes years truly takes years And knowing their love language, I think is a really good start. Like if someone loves getting little gifts, I think being able to show up for like a coffee with them is so sweet. Not everyone receives and gives love in the same way. And so expecting someone to love the love that you want, it's just not realistic. Everyone loves different things. So critical to a relationship is having a partner who embraces your evolution, accepting your own evolution, making sure that you continue to evolve as a person and make an effort to evolve still within the relationship as an independent individual. And yes, you can be in love and still be independent. They exist, uh, but I think it's so important to be able to develop yourself outside of a relationship just as a human being so that you can show up as your best self in that relationship and to have a partner who accepts that just the way that i hope all of you guys do with your partners or future partners and then after that is this one i think is hugely important is having a balance between time together time alone time with your friends and time with collective friends so i stole this from jay shetty who if you're looking for relationship advice let me tell you this man has so much wisdom to share especially in relationships he just wrote a book called eight rules of love which I need to order but he did a podcast episode with his wife recently that I thought was really lovely and a bunch of episodes just on things about relationships he worked with a bunch of couples but that was a huge one for me it's like balancing time together I'm someone who needs so much time alone even if I am head over heels for someone I still need to be alone. My mom was telling me yesterday, she's like, no, Kayleen, even if you are like someone's your best friend, like you still need to be alone and to have someone know that about you is really important. And so having a partner who understands that you're going to need alone time, you're going to need time with just your friends, you're going to need time with collective friends, when's your partner going to be hanging out with your friends too? Who are your friends that you guys have together? Is there a circle you guys operate within? And... Talking to your partner like how much time do we want to spend in each of these places? How much time do you need alone? How much time do I need alone? That's a really effective conversation to have in order to not feel like you're resenting the amount of time you're spending in any one place and in turn resenting your partner. Okay, next. It's important that you maintain an awareness of the stories you tell yourself about you, your partner, and your relationship. We tell ourselves so many stories and unfortunately, oftentimes they are not actually based in reality. They are our brain trying to make sense of things we don't entirely understand or things we don't want to accept. So we love to tell ourselves stories about whether we're good in relationships, whether we have commitment issues, mommy issues, daddy issues, if we are bad in bed, if we're insecure, if we're inexperienced, if we're, we'll just tell stories until the day we die, which is something that that's just the human brain. And it is critical <laughs> that... You maintain an awareness of the stories you're telling yourself because if you're telling yourself my partner is inconsiderate, they don't like me, they don't ever do anything for me, then the only evidence you're going to see is evidence that confirms that. And every other thing they're going to do is not going to matter. So when we're aware of the stories we're telling ourselves, we're able to interrupt those narratives and replace them with things that are based in reality. Like if you might think your partner, if you say, oh, my partner doesn't like me anymore, they're going to break up with me, then every text that takes a few hours to respond every canceled plan is going to become evidence it's going to create anxiety for you versus they're probably showing you in a number of ways that they do love you that they do still like you and you are now creating this narrative in your head that's harmful to the relationship and now you feel insecure so that might not be the best example but I think that is an example of how we oftentimes believe the stories we're telling ourselves and remember not every thought you have is true most of them are not next thing that I've learned in relationships loving someone means that you make that person fall more in love with themselves, not more in love with you which could make me cry sitting in my I'm sitting on the rug in my living room and that could make me cry because it's so beautiful and to love someone enough that your goal in the relationship is to make them love themselves more you guys that's beautiful and I want to apply that more in my life so you pursuing a relationship with someone is not you trying to make them fall madly, deeply in love with you, so obsessed with you. But when you make someone fall more in love with themselves, I will say the upside is that they will project that love right back onto you. And so you'll feel loved, they'll feel loved, they'll feel secure, you'll feel secure, and it'll be beautiful. Next, this is my last piece of advice uh, before I get to this advice session, is never argue over text. If you're in a relationship, if you're in the talking phase, if you're in a situationship, as they've been calling it, never argue over text. It's just not productive. You really can't tell someone's tone. Also, when you have that much time to think about what you're going to say and to plan it out and you see the three text bubbles and you're waiting for someone to text back, maybe someone has their red receipt on, maybe someone doesn't. It becomes this weirdly nuanced technological argument that holds way more gravity than it should. When you have a conversation with someone in person, it is so much more productive. Worst comes to worst, have a conversation on the phone. Now, ladies and gents and friends of the program, we are getting into questions for the advice session. So these are questions people ask for advice. I'm sure I'll probably reiterate a few of the things I already said. Number one. How to keep yourself from resorting to old toxic habits in a relationship? Well, first acknowledge the old toxic habits. Name them if you need to. Talk to your therapist about them if you have one. But write them down. Acknowledge what you do that's toxic in a relationship. I've had to do this. I've had to go through so many of the things that I do and that I've done in previous relationships that have been immature or unproductive. And once you name them, this is like with so many things, you can establish power over them because now they are so much smaller. It's like... Wizard of Oz, you have these massive, you think, overwhelming things about you that are harming your relationship. And then you pull down the curtain and it's like this dinky little thing running your, you know, your brain or your habits or your behaviors. And it's really just this tiny little wound that you need to heal. Or maybe it's not a tiny wound, but it's something that you can see that you can actually combat emotionally, spiritually, whatever, maybe with your partner, maybe on your own, maybe with your therapist. But there are so many things that you, once you name them, could just establish power over and that's the same thing with toxic habits in a relationship. Figure out what they are. Be honest with yourself. Accept those things. Accept that you've done them in the past and then counter them. How can I become better? How can I evolve from this? Next one. How to know when to accept your partner's flaws versus when to move on. So the way that I'm interpreting this is like how to know when to accept someone's things that you may not love about them Versus when you're like, okay, I don't like them enough to stay. And that goes back to the question I was talking about earlier of falling in love with an idealized version of someone. Versus falling in love with someone and being like, oh, there's a few things I don't like, I'm not obsessed with. But I I still really, really adore this person. And so I think when you're, I would ask yourself, like, am I falling in love with a version of this person that does not yet exist? Because once you've fallen in love with a version of that person that does not exist you are not in love with that person. And I would say at that point, it's only fair to you and to your partner to move on if you can't accept the person as they are in that moment. Next, how to balance busy schedules and prioritize time with your partner. Once again, I would ask you to return to the balance of time together, time alone, time with your friends, and time with collective friends. And also acknowledge that We conceptualize time. Oftentimes we say, oh, well, if they want to spend seven hours with me, they must love me. And if they want to spend one hour with me, they must be pretty stingy with their time. What you need to focus on, I would say, is the quality of the time you're spending together. So what are you doing? Is it something that's creating chemistry? I recently was thinking about how when you're watching a movie with someone, especially on like the first few dates, that's not really something that creates chemistry, whereas when you're out and about and doing something maybe more active, that can create chemistry because there's more opportunity for connection versus just like staring at a screen next to someone. Like, yes, there is physical intimacy involved in that, but what are you doing with the time you spend together? Like, yes, plenty of people have busy schedules. And I think one thing that I've always compared myself in my relationships to is like, I'm not someone who spends all of my time with anyone, not with my mom, not with my best friends, I regardless of who is in my life I still need time alone I still love to do things independently and then I look to relationships with the the kind of people who love to spend every minute with their partner and I'm like do they they must be better at relationships than me they must like their partner more than I've ever liked my partner and that's just not the case people just have different styles and comparing is never going to help and so my advice would be prioritize quality time and that sounds like kind of just a throwaway phrase but like what are you doing with this person how are you guys connecting more how is your relationship growing you don't have to spend every single day together you can find time amidst your schedules and again there's going to have to be some adjusting like busy is a word that we overuse i prefer to use abundant but busy is a word that we most definitely overuse We're like oh i'm so busy there is time in the day if you want to make time and like i said quality time. An hour of quality time is going to be better than seven hours of doing next to nothing and not actually expanding your relationship with this person. So next question, how to approach vulnerability with someone you like? My immediate thought, number one, clear is kind. So being kind to someone, part of being kind to someone is being clear with them. And when you're being vulnerable with someone you like, and I assume you're kind of referring to telling someone you like them. I don't think you have to make it a big proclamation. And that's, we often put so much gravity in this moment of like, I like, I like a lot of people. I'm not romantically attracted to a lot of people, but I like a lot of people. And like, I have no problem telling a friend, like, I love you, or I really like you, or I'm so glad we're friends. When it comes to someone we have a crush on, it's like, you think you have to have a ring in your back pocket just to tell this person that you think they're cute. You don't, you can tell someone, I think you're so awesome. I would love to spend more time with you. I think you are adorable, whatever. I have thought you're awesome since day I met you. It doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing because the more casual you're about it, the more casual they'll feel about responding to it. And if they don't like you, which is totally fine and well within their rights, there is so much value in just a little soft launch of a crush and saying like, oh my God, I think you're so cute. Or I really like you, damn, you're awesome. Like I would love to spend more time together. Or even half jokingly being like, oh my God, I have the biggest crush on you and leave it at that. People love to hear that you have a crush on them. It's so casual. This was actually something that my friends from home did and just being like, I have the biggest crush on you. And what happens then? They don't know what you mean. It's so casual. You could have the tiniest crush. You could have a big fat crush on them. But just saying, oh my God, I have the biggest crush on you. is such a fun launch. And I also feel like crush has come back into the mainstream recently, like the phrase crush. And I love it. It's so useful. So just saying, oh my God, you're my crush. I have the biggest crush on you is so adorable and endearing and also vague enough that it's not a big deal. So vulnerability also when you're just talking about being in a relationship with someone, I think finding someone that you feel comfortable sharing parts of yourself with that maybe you don't share with everyone, that's going to be a natural progression of becoming more and more comfortable with someone, figuring out how they process your emotions, how you process your emotions around them, what you're comfortable sharing with someone. That's a whole nother conversation and we can do an episode on vulnerability because somebody said thoughts on right person wrong time Very simple. Nothing that is for you will ever pass you next I try so hard in potential relationships and come across as obsessed advice Honestly is most people are not super into people who come across as obsessed It's like I was talking about polarity is really valuable. Use it to your advantage use polarity to your advantage and pull back your energy, match their energy, because people love attention so much that if you are coming across as obsessed, the minute you, and this, I feel bad guys because it's kind of is coming across as a game, but pull back your energy not so that they will then lunge at you, but so that you can protect your own peace, but oftentimes people are engaged enough with the people who are giving them attention, whether they actually are into them or not, that... You will see some sort of reaction if they actually realize they did want your attention or they do like you. But I would just say pull back your energy. If you're coming across as obsessed and someone is not reciprocating that obsession, it's probably not the person for you. And also, I think that is something worth talking to. I keep referencing a therapist. Therapists are truly the best to talk about relationships because they can expand the scope of like, okay, well, this is what you're doing in this relationship. How does it apply to your life in general? But I think if you're coming across as obsessed, it probably is a projection of something you feel like you're missing. I oftentimes find the people who come across the most obsessed in relationships are the people who want so badly to have a relationship and they feel like that will fill some sort of need for them. So, Remember, a relationship is just like a bedazzler, glitter added to your life, but it's not necessary. You are still an amazing, worthy human being. You do not need a partner to complete you. And I think that's something people lose sight of and then they come across as desperate or obsessed because they so badly want a relationship because they think that's going to answer questions for them. And the truth is it's not. You're never going to find answers outside of yourself. Next, how do we give more of ourselves to the other person in a relationship? I actually think that when you're in the right relationship, it kind of comes naturally. Like sharing yourself with that person, adjusting your time, like I said, adapting your schedule to fit this partnership. I think that giving parts of yourself to a person, I'm imagining like handing it over and that's not how it is. It's more so like you and this person are supporting one another. And you shouldn't feel like you're giving up things. You should just feel like you're adding, like this person is enhancing your life. Next thing says, how to prevent anxious attachment in new relationships. Anxious attachment is just a reflection of how you view how the people in your life feel about you. And so... An anxious attachment, for those of you who don't know, an example of it would be like you are intermittently waiting for this person to give you validation. So every time they aren't texting you, you're just waiting for them to text you again and say basically like, hey, I still like you. Because in the meantime, you're catastrophizing about this person falling out of love with you or falling in love with someone new. And my advice is one, probably to get a therapist and to talk to your therapist about why you feel this way because beneath those feelings it actually has nothing to do with relationships it has to do with your worthiness and the relationship that you had with your parents and when they gave you validation and how can you get to a place where you can give yourself the validation how can you develop thought patterns and neural pathways that keep you from creating those narratives but also the narratives are going to happen and so how can you interrupt those narratives like everyone has a moment where they're like oh my gosh I just got like a we need to talk text and your immediate thought is they're gonna break up with me. And maybe they are gonna break up with you, but having the anxiety there only makes the situation worse and you have to like relive it before it even happens, if it ever even happens. And so my advice truly, because I'm not an expert, is honestly just to read books on it, figure out. Once you figure out the way things work in your brain, it'll give you so much power over them and you can finally understand how to work with them rather than have them constantly working against you. Next one, well actually that was the last question you guys. But prevent anxious attachments. It's okay if you have an anxious attachment, you guys. It's not, you're not wrong. You're not unworthy for that. Plenty of people have anxious attachments, avoidant attachments. And also there's nuance. There's gray area within secure, avoidant, anxious attachments. And so I want you to know that there is so much work you can do. And even wanting to do the work to come away from an anxious attachment is a step in the right direction. So I'm proud of you and it's hard. It's hard feeling like you constantly need someone else to validate you and doesn't make you any less of a partner because of it. But I do think that is your. it's your responsibility to tackle that. It's your responsibility to talk to someone about it and to be proactive about establishing a more secure attachment and, and interrupting your anxious thoughts about the relationship so to finish off the episode and transparently guys i just went to dinner and then came back so if i sound a little monotone that is why and dinner was lovely i had dinner with my mom so to finish off the episode i'm gonna go through the red flags that you guys sent in and i'm gonna go through them and i'm gonna rate them on a scale of one to ten. One being the least egregious like i could live with it Um, 10 being probably don't go near this human being. And I will acknowledge that most of these are about men. So take that as you will. Okay, starting off strong with doesn't have an older sister. Um, I'm going to give this a four because that's out of his control as we don't choose our siblings, but I totally know what you mean and get the sentiment. Next, talks negative about his mom. Unless his mom is abusive or a narcissist, anything along those lines, I agree. Probably shouldn't be talking negative about his mom. That's going to be a 7 or an 8. If he doesn't eat his veggies. Also kind of a red flag. I'm gonna go probably, that's a 6. Being mean to their mom. Once again, people, if you're listening, take notes. Don't be mean to your mother unless, you know. I think some things might warrant some tension there, but that's probably none of my business. So once again, we're looking at a seven or an eight for being mean to their mom or being rude to their mom. Demonizing mental health. A partner told me my anxiety would contaminate his kids. That's a 10. Jail. Jail for that man. Just also sidebar, that's like the craziest thing ever. Your anxiety absolutely will not be contaminating anyone. So you already have to live with it every day. Don't let someone tell you that. A big one is not making an effort to get to hang out with your friends slash get to know them. We're looking at a nine right now. Doesn't hold the door open. Oh, who does that? Um, we're looking at a six. Talking about sex before the first date. I would like some more context on this. Generally, I can't really imagine this happening, but if it is happening in a weird context where they just like lead with that, I would say seven. That's a seven. Pulling a partner away from their friends. That's a 10. Overly texting, asking who you're with and what they're doing 24/7. That there is a nine. Thinks iced coffee slash lattes are girly. We're looking at an 8 or a 10, something between those lines, potentially a 9, because I think that it's extremely important that he likes iced coffee slash does not demonize it at the very least. Doesn't like kids. Yeah, that's probably like an 8. Road rage. Absolute 9.5. That and getting overly emotional about Pong. It's on my personal list. That's probably like a 5. But road rage, yeah, that's pretty up there. Doesn't like Taylor Swift. I don't know very, men, very many straight men who are into Taylor Swift, but I see where the sentiment is and I think even worse than men who don't like Taylor Swift are women who shit on her because it's just regressive. Disrespectful towards parents. This is a theme, this is a theme. We're looking at an eight to a 10. Fails to commit, well that is, I feel like that's what happens after the red flags are going up and then they fail to commit and it's like, oh. Swatted those down. Forgetting their wallet on a date. If it's an honest mistake, maybe like a two, I don't know, they venmo you. But if it's a if it is a quote unquote forgetting, because there are quotes here on the word forgetting, yeah, that's a nine. Last girlfriend was quote unquote crazy. This is gonna be a theme because a lot of people wrote in about speaking highly about exes as being a green flag. But last GF was crazy, I would say, unless this person was genuinely menacing, we're looking at a seven. Not being a chocolate lover. Depends on the person. I have a friend who's allergic to chocolate. That's probably going to be a four. Maybe a two. We're settling on a two. BMX biker. Let me tell you, never in my life have I considered going near a BMX biker. That would probably be a nine. He's got some stuff to work out. Or she. Said Rihanna was mid. Yeah, zero. No, he's a zero. That's a criminal offense please perform a citizen's arrest on this man. Constantly bringing up XGF. True. We're looking at a 10. That's a red flag. When he says, my tummy hurts in a baby voice. <laughs> I don't know that's a red flag, but that is very silly. Six. <laughs> when he's the little spoon. I, <laughs> four. Doesn't have a dog. 10. Follows models on Instagram. Eight. Text on Snapchat. 10. Not knowing when to use. Two, two, two. Same with their, there, or there. They don't know proper grammar. Mm, we're looking at a nine. For men, no female friends. What do those girls know that I don't? True. Says they don't want anything for their birthday, but you do something small to be nice. And they get mad and say that you are only doing it to one day use it as ammunition against them. Somebody I know wrote this in and I immediately texted her and was like, let's break this down because that's a criminal offense. And 10, rude to wait staff. 10, wear skinny jeans. 11. Can't laugh at themselves slash make light of a situation when they flop, fail, fuck up. That's an 8. Potentially higher. Speaking hateful slash rude words about exes, unless there was toxic abuse. Once again, I don't know if I'm consistently giving the same ones the same numbers. I'm really just spewing these out. Probably an 8. Skinny jeans. Once again. 11. Flip-flops not on the beach. (laughs) One of my friends wrote this in and said, clearly I'm having fun. This was like her third one. Flip-flops, not on the beach. We're looking, depends on the setting, depends on set and setting. We're probably solid, looking at a six or a seven. Gallon jug of water. There is no way you can't refill that bottle, okay? That's a 10, no, I'm just kidding. Um, seven, eight, They t- they take all their clothes off before taking their socks off. Well, that's a psychopath. Actually, I've probably done that. Six, they don't like roller coasters. Neutral, five. Does not have a morning beverage. Everyone needs a morning beverage. What do you look forward to? What gets you out of bed? We're looking at a nine. Is picky about food? Eight. Don't be a child. Speaks down on X's. Once again, eight. Doesn't laugh at modern family. That's a really good one. My friend Savannah wrote that in. Savannah, well done. We're looking at a, we're looking at an eight. You're not better than modern family. Wants to name his kid an onomatopoeia. That is something to look into. Eight. Your dog doesn't like him slash her. Kind of out of their control, depends on the dog, five. Doesn't compliment you, 10. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Gas lighter, 10. Cherry picks, trail mix, I do this sometimes, six. Extended period of time with no responses being written off as not being a phone person. I'm the queen of just saw this, but not with someone I like, so eight. When they hate your friends or your friends hate them, extremely unchill. that's a 10. Doesn't wash their feet before getting in bed. I wear socks in bed, so um, this does not apply to me. I wear socks in bed, so this sounds very ludicrous to me. I'm going to go with a six. No motivation, probably an eight. You never know what someone's going through, so I got to give them the two points of benefit of the doubt. Someone who doesn't respect boundaries. Eleven, run for the hills. When they follow girls who look nothing like you. Eh, depends on the context, right? Call it a six. If it's Instagram models, it's like, come on now. What are you looking for here? Picky eater went out with a guy who ordered plain white rice at Sushi Place. In my book, that's a 10. That's very concerning. Doesn't listen to music. What do they listen to? 10. When they don't listen when you talk to them in person or on the phone. 10. When they don't listen, like bare minimum. Oh no, guys, they're done. That was actually super fun. I had a really good time going through those. That was really really silly and you guys are super funny and i think we should do that again but with green flags and we'll do another episode with nicoletta slash a part two of the relationships episode i love you guys and i hope everyone has a wonderful sunday i'm so happy to be back on the pod i love you guys i love you guys i hope you have the best day and i will see you next week thank you for listening